I want to hit one of our core values this morning because this is really what we're talking about. Uh, We have four core values, worship gathering, community groups, next generation, and then a thing we call fellowship unleashed. And that's really how we talk about missions, locally, nationally, and internationally. And our heart as a church is to equip and mobilize every single person in our body in the Great Commission. And that's locally, nationally, and internationally. So when we talk about Fellowship Unleashed, it's really about how are we going to be involved in the mission in a way that's unique to us, knowing that there's hundreds of thousands of other churches around that do it a little bit differently in different places and all that. Um, But this is our part. This is what we get to do as a church. Uh, Kind of as a big picture idea, we're connecting missional resources with missional opportunities. Missional resources with missional opportunities. Now, how do we decide when and where and how and all that kind of stuff? Let me give you some principles that we actually use and have since the founding of this church. Just some things for you to think about as you think about your involvement in Fellowship Unleashed. First of all, outreach is a team effort of praying, giving, and going. Praying, giving, and going. Three different ways, but all working together to accomplish the mission of God. Secondly, the message is fixed, but methods are flexible. So that means it doesn't matter where we go, the message is always the same. It's the gospel. But what we do is we go into different contexts and we ask the Lord to help us think about the most strategic methods we can use to reach that group of people in that place at that time. So there's some flexibility there. We always want to go with a blend of good words and good works. Some contexts will require more of one than the other, but we're always making sure that both are accounted for. So if we need to think about a little more word in there, then we figure out a way to do that and vice versa. The need, this is a hard one, the need will always be greater than our resources. It will always be greater. So what that means is we just bring what we have and we ask the Lord to show us how to use it knowing that he's a big God, he owns everything, and he's got other people and other churches, other communities of faith that are uh, going to be involved as well. We have a goal of establishing and or assisting self-sustaining ministry. So that means that our goal is literally to work ourselves out of a job. We want to be able to go into a place, whether that's locally, nationally, or internationally, and we want to eventually turn that ministry over to the people who live right there all the time. They know their culture, their community, their situation better than we do. We want to assist, support, and then release it to them. And hopefully they're equipped to do it themselves. We prefer long-term missional relationships over short-term. It's not that we would never do a short-term, but it just means that our heart is to literally build a relationship like the one we're going to talk about this morning where there's some long-term stuff and we get to go back again and again and again and develop with with that ministry along the way. And then that relates to this last point. We prefer depth of impact over breadth of impact. A substantial investment in a few locations over sparse investment in many. So you'll probably see that we don't go to a hundred different places around the world. We go to a few, but wherever we go, we go deep. We want to be fully engaged 
and connected with those people in a very real way for a long time. We feel like that produces some terrific fruit. So with all of that said, I want to introduce you to a family who has really lived all of this out in a very real way, and we are in partnership with them, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So this is Matt and Tori Angel, and then they have three children, Zach, Jacob, and Abigail, and they live in Jinja. <clears throat> said Jinga in the first service. Jinja, Uganda. They've been there for 13 months. They really felt like the Lord called them over there to work with Amazima Ministries, particularly a school that they started three years ago. So um, before we have a conversation up here, I want you to see a quick video that they put together. Um, and it's beautiful because it shows us it shows us the ministry, but you're going to get to hear from some of the people that they have actually been reaching and serving. So take a look at this, and then we'll have a little conversation. sponsors in different parts of the world for sending the angel family here in Africa the beautiful family beautiful people their hearts are open and their family is open for us I fell sick and then I was stranded I went home and then I never had finances like to go to the hospital but when I came and then I spoke to them they very open to me and then they told me, Charles, let's go to the hospital. And then I got healed and then I'm doing healthy. I thank the Lord because if it wasn't them, I would have been stranded. I glorify the Lord because they are a blessing here in Africa. Jesus, our redemption, our salvation is in His blood. My name is Harriet uh, from Uganda. Uh, praise uh, Jesus. I want to thank God uh, because he's faithful. Second, I want to thank God who brought the angel family in Africa. Through the angel family, I was able to get my own house, a four in one house. So I stay in one house, then I rent out uh, the three remaining houses. I'm able to help my family so it has been a very positive impact uh, on my life. Secondly, uh, my mom and other five women from the village, uh, they are able to make baskets and that money is trying their family to send their kids to school, provide for the family like food, uh, medical, everything by the angel family coming to Uganda and introducing that system it has been uh, a big impact on our society 
And I'm so grateful. I want to thank the Lord so much for His goodness and His love. And I want to thank you so much, the friends of Tori and Matt, for sending them here in Uganda to serve the Lord. They have been able to support me and my family, my children, to go to school. So I'm so grateful and thank the Lord so much for that. So may God bless you. Thank you so much. good to have you guys back it's good to even, be even though for a short time yeah. it's just great it's so good, good. So and uh, very thankful for all that you guys have been doing and uh, it's been fun for me just as a pastor to see the beautiful partnership that many in our body have had with you and I know you guys are deeply loved and uh, yeah it's just fun to see the fruit I'm sorry Tori <laughs> uh, we really we love you guys. Well, uh, let's do this. We wanted just to give you an opportunity because this really is a partnership. Um, it, it sort of feels to me like in the book of Acts, you know, um, Paul and Barnabas and all those guys would take trips and they would come back and report back to the church. Here's what God's doing in other places. And so it's good for us to, to hear those stories and to know what God is doing. So anyway, that's why we're doing this this morning. But let's just start real simple, because some folks may not know, like, what is Uganda like? What's your home like? Tell us a little bit about where you live and what that culture has been like for you. So, yeah, we live in Jinja, Uganda. Well, just outside of Jinja, uh, which is right at the base or the source of the Nile River. Uh, it is a, it's a slow-paced lifestyle there. Uh, the Ugandan people uh, really value community and they value relationship and so that's built into the margins of their lives and so things move a little slower there. Actually, it takes forever to get anything done. <laughs> it's, really, it's really what happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we live in a, a small house. Um, we have intermittent hot water. Uh, we lose electricity a lot. 
Uh, it's very common for us when, when I turn on the shower that the refrigerator goes out. Really? Uh, yeah. Like which, how which, do those go together? Uh, I don't know, but it's, okay. it's, it's pretty spectacular, <laughs> no, I can tell you that. Sounds like it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it, you know, it is, um, we love it there. Huh. I mean, we love, we love the, the relationships we're able to build. Yeah. Obviously, you've seen three people that, that we know very well there. Yeah. We, uh, um, we enjoy getting to know them and their families and their clans. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, every day when I, when I get up and I take my cold shower and, and then I, I go to work and I, I jump on the back of what we call a boda, which is a small motorcycle and this, this guy drives me to work and we drive over every single bump and I almost mm. fall off and mm. uh, it, it's quite an adventure. But, but, and there's a ton of great things. I mean, I could sit up here for the next 30 minutes and just yeah. talk about how beautiful it is. Huh. Uh, but the, the reality is, is that there's also a lot of poverty there. Hmm. Um, most people there don't have jobs, and those who do have jobs just make a couple dollars a day. Hmm. Um, and so that can be really difficult. But yeah. I think even worse than that is the spiritual poverty hmm. that's going on there. Because while most people in Uganda would say that they're Christian, they're Christian today, but tomorrow they might be Muslim or Hindu because they are whatever is most beneficial to them on that day. And so they flip-flop back and forth. And the people who do claim to be Christians, it's usually a combination of traditional African religion and uh, prosperity gospel. Yeah. And so it's works-based. Uh, there's a ton of guilt that they deal with uh, whenever they, they sin. And it's, a very, it's very difficult for them. Mm. Um, it's very hard. Yeah, I bet. I guess all the more reason, and sometimes we don't necessarily think about praying as being a huge participation you know, like we're asking God to bring light into darkness. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think, I know the practical stuff helps and matters and all that, but wouldn't you guys say that to know there are people who are really investing regular time in prayer for the ministry there? Absolutely. It's an encouragement to us. Um, definitely there are, there are days when things are hard, and just knowing that people are here and they're praying for us and they're in our corner mm -hmm. uh, really sometimes is what gets us over the hump for that day. I bet. And you could see even in the three people who spoke, they feel your prayers as well. Yeah. And they know that there's a community of faith here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that is, is supporting them spiritually through prayer. Wow, that's awesome. Good. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do. What's, what's your normal routine like in terms of how you serve? Yeah, so um, uh, as you said, we're uh, on staff with Amazama uh, that's been in Uganda for over 10 years. But three years ago, they opened up a secondary boarding school. And Amazama takes in the most vulnerable children from the surrounding villages. So basically, these, these kids wouldn't go to school if Amazama was not there. Wow. And at the school, I am the campus ministry director. Uh, and I work with a team of three pastors, uh, Ugandan pastors, and we are responsible for teaching the Bible classes. We also um, lead and, and run uh, Sunday morning chapel. Uh, we do the Wednesday night uh, service as well as the small groups. We write all the devotions for the students and for the staff. And then we're pastors. So, I mean, all the things that, that Monty and, and Jeff do, that's what we do. And so when, when students have questions or they have problems or they need someone to pray for them, then they, they come to us. And uh, in fact, in term three, we have 23 students who are going to be baptized, which is a huge deal because they are basically turning away from what their parents believe, even if they're Christians, in order to believe the true gospel. Wow. That's a huge step for them. Wow. That's awesome. So good. So Matt's job is a little bit different than mine. Um, we are called Mzungus. So a Mzungu means white person. <laughs> uh, Matt works with Ugandans. I get the uh, privilege of working with Mzungus. 
And so I have 26 women who are there serving in a capacity of either a, a house parent, we call them family mentors, for our students, um, but also teachers at our school. And so I have the privilege of walking alongside of them and helping them to uh, thrive spiritually, emotionally, and physically uh, while living in a third world country, which is crazy because I don't even know how to do that. Um, but that's the beauty of discipleship, right? We're learning along with them. Um, but outside of Amazima, uh, I have a real heart for the community. And so uh, outside of our home, we, we would volunteer at local orphanages or... Um, just outreach programs, and I've become very, very close with, I have 12 girls who live in a place called The Works, uh, which is a very slum area right down from our home. Um, and I spend a lot of time painting nails, play with my hair, mzungu, um, <laughs> and just discipleship and loving on them and helping them to meet their physical needs. Uh, but we have a lot of children who live around us, and one morning, uh, Matt and I were out for uh, a, a run, and... That was my only run. <laughs> In 13 months. Yeah. Good. All right. As we were coming around the corner, um, there's a dumpster. And the kids often dig in the dumpster for food. And so there were six boys that jumped out of the dumpster um, and seen us in their smiles. And mazungu. And, and we encourage them to come running with us. And you need to understand the, the scene, right? The, there, there's no shoes. There's just rags. And um, the boys ran with us. And we said to them, like, if you make it to our house, I will give you a banana. We'll give you food. And we ran about two miles. And these kids were telling their friends along the way. They're going to feed us. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, I need you to meet their need. I don't know. And I'm, I'm literally praying, God, I pray that I have enough bananas. And we get to the house, and Matt stayed outside the gate with him. And, I, and he's, he's, you know, they're all kind of running in a circle. He says, we got nine kids. Okay. And I walk in. And there's nine bananas sitting on the counter. And I just thought, God, you are so faithful. Mm. When I don't even know how to provide, you're there. And you meet us in the midst of that. Mm. And so it's just been a beautiful, yeah. love the people that are in front of you. Mm. Right? Yeah. Here in Murfreesboro, whether I'm in Uganda, God is there to help us to walk through that, even when we feel unequipped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it strikes me when I think about that, that all of us feel fear about loving people in front of us because we're so aware of our need and our deficiency. And we say something around here all the time that God will always give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. And so he's going to give you enough and it may not be much, but it'll be enough so that you really can serve uh, the need that's right in front of you. So that's a beautiful picture of that. Um, oftentimes when we think about uh, world missions especially, it can be romanticized. And there's so much good about it. And I know you guys, there, there's a lot of beautiful, joyful memories. But I also know it's been really hard in some ways. And so tell us a little bit. We're just going to keep it real this morning. Tell us a little bit about um, what's been hardest uh, in these 13 months. Well, we have no access to Twizzlers. And oh, that's, that's been hard. 
Um, I did How do you once, even survive? I did once get a mango worm, which is a maggot that grew out of my arm. Wow. But that's not the hardest thing. Wow. Um, okay. We are keeping it real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the hardest thing is the suffering. Because there is there's suffering all around us. No matter we, where we look, there is suffering going on. And, and I think that even though people told us that before we went and, and prepared us for it, I, I just, I, we weren't ready. And so when we got there and we saw people were suffering, immediately what we wanted to do was fix it. We wanted to take away the suffering and we wanted to make it better for them. But, sure. but the scope of it is so big and it's so overwhelming, we quickly learned that we can't. I mean, there's not even a single person there who we can take away. They're suffering. And so we've, we've developed a new perspective on it as we've seen God work in people's lives when it comes to suffering. And so now, now we don't try to alleviate it all. Now we just sit in it with them. Mm. We grieve with them and we weep with them and we cry with them and we, we sit with them in their suffering. There was a, a woman, she lives not far from us. She uh, has four biological children. Uh, but then her uncle died and he left her five more children. So she has nine kids. And so even though she has a man who lives with her, the man provides nothing because he's not there to give. He's just there to take. And she showed up at our house one afternoon, and, and she was very upset. And she said, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, she had her 15-month-old son with him. Mm -hmm. She said, I can't take care of him. I'm going to work, and I just leave him home alone all day at 15 months. Mm -hmm. And she said, we can't do it. I, I want you to take my son. I want you to take him. And Tori said, no, 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 we can't take your son. A baby needs to be with his mom. And so in instead, we just entered into that with her. And we started meeting with her, and we started praying with her, and started crying with her. And, and what we've seen and what she's experienced is um, she's moving closer to God. God is using this suffering uh -huh. as a way to draw her to him. And, and we see that that for the first time in a long time, she has hope that she's never had. And it's not because the suffering has gone away. Mm. It's really just because God sent people to sit with her in suffering. Wow. And this is developing a hope in her. And, and we see her developing this joy regardless of her circumstances and that she has a lot to look forward to. And it's just a beautiful picture of how God uses our suffering for his glory and for the benefit of his people. Yeah. And so even though it's the hardest thing, in a lot of ways, it's the most beautiful thing. That's a stretch. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Yeah. It is. Until, yeah. until, you're, until you get there and you realize, I can't do anything. Yeah. I, I'm powerless in this. Yeah. It seems like in our context, we, we sort of orient everything around eliminating any, any sign of suffering mm -hmm. um, as if it can only accomplish bad mm -hmm. rather than really trying to see where God might use it for good. Yeah, it, you know, I think we often read over all the times that Jesus promises us suffering. Mm. And it's easy to kind of read over that. Right. And you feel like, well, when suffering comes, it must be God's mad at me. Right. Um, but what we found is that that is absolutely not the truth at all. Mm. That, that God is using that suffering in some pretty amazing ways. And we've seen people grow by leaps and bounds, mm. not in spite of their suffering, but because of their suffering. Wow. And it's helped to build our faith in what God's doing. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about what has been most meaningful to you while you all have, and I know we're just scratching the surface, <laughs> but... And I'm uh, freezing. We don't have air conditioning in Uganda. Yeah, I bet you are. Um, I think Matt just said a little bit, but I want to talk about um, what's been most meaningful, honestly, is how God has built our faith in the midst of this. 
you go over there uh, knowing that God has called us and that God's going to use us, but what we have learned in the midst of that. Um, I have a sweet friend. Her name is Harriet. Uh, you saw her in the video. And so I have the privilege of sitting with Harriet five days a week. And one day we were talking, and I said, um, Harriet, what's your dream? And she said, you don't want to know my dream? I said, no, I do. Um, what is your dream? What do you want to do? And she pulled out a piece of paper, and she drew this house, this fourplex. And she said, I want to be a landlord. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, but what I had the honor to do is look her in the eye and say, I don't know how to do this, but we serve a big God who does. And in faith, two days later, I said to her, go find me land. And then she came back and said, Miss Tori, I have found land. Find, get me three estimates of a builder. All in faith. I had no idea what we were doing. One night, God gave me the vision of buy a brick, buy a bag. And many of you came along on that journey with us. Mm. You can buy a brick. You can buy a bag of cement. And through many of you, through the prayers and support of our, of our um, sponsors across the country, um, we were able to make that dream come true. Now, what that does, one, just I didn't know how to do that. I just stepped out in faith and did what God had asked me to do. But this changes her entire clan. This changes her legacy because Harriet's the oldest. And even though she doesn't, she's not married and has children, she is responsible for her entire clan and her, and her siblings' children. And so children are going to school, children, because she's able to rent out those three apartments. Um, mm. And God has used that to just allow us on many opportunities just to continue to trust him and, and to expand our faith in the midst of that. Love that. Love that. Were you going to add something? No, no. Oh, no, okay. No, no. Just checking. I'm a man of few words. Man of few words. I love that. All right. Um, thank you for allowing us to, to be a part of that, you know. Um, I would imagine. <laughs> Looky there. Way to go, Brian. <laughs> Um, Thanks. Then he made me look bad. I, <laughs> I was about to take my shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a moment, for sure. Um, well, let's let's finish up with this. Um, so you guys have been there 13 months. God has done a whole lot. Um, you've learned a lot. You've experienced a lot. So now, kind of look forward a little bit with us and tell us what what's next for you guys. What do you see God doing, and what's he calling you to do in response to that? Our, our initial commitment when we joined with Amazma was two and a half years, which means it would be over December 2020. Okay. Uh, but we won't be coming back December 2020. Um, God is doing some amazing things in us and through us. Uh, we want to continue to be a part of that, and we have a, a bunch of things that are on the horizon that we're really excited about. Mm -hmm. so, so not only am I the campus ministry director at the secondary school, but 
right around December 2020, they're opening a primary school, and I'll also be the campus ministry director of that school. And so there's a lot of work that we're doing now to prepare for that and, and, and get some other pastors in place and, and develop the things that we need to develop to, in order to support that. Yeah. Um, also, we, we have, as Tori said, we have a huge heart for the community, and we want to do like what we've done for um, um, Harriet and others as far as uh, developing sustainable income. And so uh, we have a project we're working with with a guy by the name of Charles. He has an old sort of rundown abandoned building and we're gonna renovate that for him so that he can use that as rental property so he can be a landlord. Mm. Uh, we're also working with a woman who is uh, uh, in need of some farmland. And so we're gonna do those kind of things to build sustainable income for locals there. And then probably most significantly for us, uh, when we get back, um, we're gonna start fostering a child uh, with the hope of adoption. And so that'll take us some time as well. So those are sort of the big things, the big rocks um, that we have coming up over the next two to three years or so. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. We love partnering with you. Tell us how we can kind of stay informed. Some folks may not know how to follow along with you guys. So we do have a website. Uh, it's angelsinafrica.com. Angels is with two L's. Um, I Writing a long blog takes a lot of time, and quite honestly, we don't have electricity a lot. Um, and so I don't have access to internet consistently unless I'm on campus where they have a generator. Um, but Angels in Africa is a great website. If you are social media, uh, we do have a Facebook closed private group that's called Angels in Africa as well. That's a lot quicker for me just to snap a photo throughout the day and write a short blurb. Um, so we update there. We tend to update there a little bit more. Uh, or Instagram Angels in Africa, which I rarely use. So if they find us on Facebook, then they can request to be on Angels in Africa? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So great way to stay informed, and um, hopefully you're kind of picking up, as I was talking about Fellowship Unleashed, and as we're having this conversation, there may be something very specific that God is inviting you to be a part of, whether that's in praying, giving, or even going. Um, yeah. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Yeah, they love you visitors. Are most, welcome. most welcome. That's right. Yes. yes. Awesome. I well, never even got to say. Well, you see the table in the Exactly. Like, yeah, that was beautiful. It's been odd handshaking people here in America because we handshake very differently. Yeah, you showed me that the other day, and it takes about 15 minutes to shake hands over in Uganda. So. <laughs> Greetings are very, 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 very important. That's love very that. important. Love that. Well, we would like to pray for you. Um, as you get ready to go back. So uh, the way we often do that is we'll invite, whether it's a team or a person, uh, we'll invite them to come right down here in the middle, and we're all going to gather around them, and Phil and I are going to pray. So I'll take that if you guys want to head on down. And then uh, when I close us in prayer, prayer, you guys will be dismissed. So if you'll stand and then just move toward the middle, and if you'll just put a hand on the shoulder in front of you.